Hello and welcome to We Don't Talk About The Weather, political discussion from the outside may just look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk about this week's news and politics. Yeah. Um, Ooh, it's Halloween. It's... Spooky. Terrifying. It is. It's been a horrible week. It is. Um, To scare people, I have gone dressed as the... Future. Yeah, I, I, I have gone dressed Not as... Not future, the, the, the singer. <laughs> the future. The concept of the future. I've gone as liberal siding with fascists in South America. Again. <laughs> and I dress fits up to come around with me as a little Chicago school economist. <laughs> I don't quite understand what he says, but I'm following it to the letter. Because <laughs> it says I can kill all the gays. But um, yeah, it's been a bit brooks being being grim. Yeah, it's like really I wasn't feeling. I mean, like last few weeks, the whole like like climate change thing kind that of. Was I don't think we. I don't. I. I have a fear, like a thing hmm. that I don't really want to talk about climate change mm-hmm. on the pod because it terrifies me too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a few like panic episodes, mm-hmm. um, like a f- like maybe a month ago about that whole thing. So it's not really going to be a thing. But like there was the, the climate change stuff and. Obviously, the 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 pipe bombs were hmm. uh, indicative the, of the climate change the stuff. Pipe like bomb sent to prominent the, Democrats. That going off the news cycle is a bit upsetting. Because, like, okay, so I walk the dog every day. Yeah, and I'm very, very brutally aware that there is still a drought. Yeah, and we're like into it's cold now. Yeah, we're into winter. I've got a snuggly jumper, but <laughs> the ground is still cracked. Yeah. It's massively dry. Like, the ponds around here are still not full. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really bizarre. It's like, it really freaks me out that, that, that they're not talking about it at all anymore. And we're yeah. just not going to. We're done now. Yeah. Because we've got other things to worry about. Mm. Which is like, okay, we'll worry about that. And then, you know. Then... <laughs> um, but yeah, so we had uh, the uh, the massacre at a, a synagogue. Mm. Um, within 24 hours, I think, you had uh, Bolsonaro elected president of Brazil, um, at best, an authoritarian reactionary that makes Trump look liberal, mm-hmm. at worst, an actual fascist who has mm-hmm. praised the uh, Brazilian dictatorship and said the only problem was they didn't kill more people. Well, that was specifically about Pinochet. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, oh, well, he said that, but he also said it about the Brazilian dictatorship. Isn't he, like, related? Isn't he like descended from an actual Nazi as well? I don't know. I'm pretty certain I read I that somewhere know. like he's got like a grandfather or something who, you know, turned up. <laughs> I'm pretty certain. But it's just incredible that like, I was thinking about this the other day, that the defining themes of the kind of post-election period, there was a brief, I mean, just in our own country, in our mm-hmm. own society, was all kind of um, euphoria over the election, then settling into a kind of very predictable news cycle of trying to rehash the anti-Corbyn arguments mm. from 2017 mm. and 2016, trying to do them over and over again, obviously dominated this summer by the anti-Semitism mm. like rows. Um, and it just seemed at times like this whole new cycle was just going to go on and on forever. Mm. And I think in a way that like, similarly to the way I felt about Grenfell, mm. Where it summed up a whole gen- like a whole period of time of of austerity and the conservative mm. government and housing and all that was summed up in this horrible tragedy. Yeah. You suddenly get like, 
oh, so, you know, right-wing, uh, crazy boomer extremist has sent pipe bombs to mm. prominent uh, figures. Mm-hmm. And some, a prominent, like a right-winger, went and shot up a synagogue screaming about how, you know, all the Jews have to die. Mm. And, of course, it was the same person. And then Bolsonaro gets elected because... Uh, in 2015 or 16, a social democratic left-wing government was ousted in very, very sketchy circumstances. Mm-hmm. And the government that was appointed, not elected, but appointed, uh, instituted all this kind of austerity and privatised a load of companies. And what le- what ended they ended up with was a very, very far-right authoritarian fascist in power. And it's like... So this is literally the argument that the left have been making this entire time. Hmm. Nobody... Uh, there's been distractions. Yeah. Bad faith distractions in this country on all from all angles. And it just seems to have summed it up. It's like, no... Again, you don't want to like say, look, I told you so. The right are always going to be the, hmm. ho- like the home of anti-Semitism. Hmm. They're always going to be the home of violent action. They're always going to be the home of fascism. But somehow pundits in the last week still haven't got it. No, no. Somehow, after this horrible tragedy in Brazil and in America, Luke Akehurst managed to get himself into an argument and tangle himself up to the point where he said that somebody... There was a large discussion about socialism or barbarism, and he... um, it was brought up because it was um, most notably said by uh, Rosa Luxemburg, mm. who was executed by the Freikorps in a failed revolution mm. in Germany in 1919. And Luke Aker somehow manages, in all of this, manages to get himself into a position where he says that the, the social democratic government was justified in using fascists to execute Jewish communists. Mm-hmm. And that really just, like, conceptually, that just sums this whole period up. They've spent yeah. so long arguing counterfactuals and contrarian fucking nonsense with the one aim of stopping any kind of renewed left. Mm. Ignoring what the left says and say, no, the centre still is the thing to oppose fascism and to oppose this mm. horrible precipice we're on. And all of this happens, and he comes out with the most extreme thing he possibly could have said. Yeah. It's madness. It- it's really the thing is that's really upsetting is it's like there is you know like I said it before there is anti-Semitism on the left and yeah, yeah, yeah. and we yeah. need and the thing is it's is our job to deal with it because we're supposed to be better mm. and like while there are plenty of people on the left trying to deal with this in good faith mm. Luke Akers and his ilk really couldn't give less of a shit and it's obvious that they really have never cared really because you know he has literally just been advocating for Nazis killing Jews. And saying it's a good thing. He's literally saying it's good when Nazis kill Jews. No, it's fine. If right? it's the wrong kind I, of Jew. I hate I hate it when Nazis gain power. But now hear me out. <laughs> if we use them just for a little bit, it's like it's fucking insane. And uh, and you I know, I'll just use this speed until after the revising season is over. <laughs> and Aranovich like wading oh. into everything. He's um he's a an insane uh, a crazy man with bad priorities. Um, because actually, like no, he spent no, no he spent. I think it's like 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 no, he's so calculatedly. I don't think he. I, I actually don't think he is because it's like none of them can see the fact that David Aranovich. So David Aranovich, for instance, can't see the fact that he spent the last week defending his right to be on a 
a panel yeah. where the discussion was, is ethnic diversity a threat to the West? Yeah. Going to the wall to defend it. Mm. And then as soon as Bolsonaro gets elected and people start talking about the spectre of fascism mm. being raised up again, he's suddenly like, well, only the centre can defeat fascism. Mm-hmm. It's like, because you have their phone number. Yeah. <laughs> it's because you know where they live. Well, it's a, because it's you're that, friends, friends, friends thing, with them. It's that thing that the centre... Like, I think there are plenty of people on the like that kind of... I say centre, but they're not centre. They're right wing. Um, yeah. Who think that they have got the tools for dealing with that kind of fascism with like with yeah. like proper goose stepping brown shirts. Yeah. They they know how to deal with it and that is we enact their policies. Yeah. And they'll be happy if we enact their policies slightly lighter. That's the dumb And the thing is it's yeah. like, no, 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 no. Haven't you seen that that you can't can do you it not, enough for them. Can you not see that if you believe in an order a God or an ordering principle to the universe that the universe is trying to tell you something? <laughs> Yeah, and it, but, but the thing is that they can. I mean, I don't know how most. I I, I have a very dim view of of liberals, if mm. if not liberalism itself. Mm. And I obviously think that their ability to deal with jackbooted, like uniformed, like brown shirts, mm-hmm. would be compromised in any case. But the problem is that they can't identify it when it's not a jackbooted brown mm. shirt. In, oh yeah. Like, Oh, they need to explicit. The thing is, even they, even when they're um, in a military uniform, explicitly saying the Nazi things they're going to do, they're like, "Yeah, well, let's hear him out first. Yeah, maybe at the end he's like, ah, already joking." Oh, well, it's the thing is, oh, I hate them, but um, I'm going to uh, tolerate their existence. Yeah, yeah, like doing the Voltaire thing, but yeah. with literal Nazis, which I'm pretty certain Voltaire would be kind of annoyed about. And like, <laughs> like he's like, like yes. This is fine. <laughs> For so many arguments about kind of the definition of fascism, and, you know, the mm. exact definition is definitely up for debate. Mm. There are different varieties, but it is certainly best described as a spirit that flows through certain kind of <laughs> epochs yeah. um, and can come just as much in a business suit as it can in a uniform. Mm. But, like, their inability to recognise kind of... Their inability to differentiate between... Um, like 1984 and just a police state. Yeah. I think it's a, a consequence of the way that liberalism pivoted around like anti-communism and cold war stuff. Mm. So they looked at the Soviet union, got the stories from people who, you know, been imprisoned by in the gulag or, or in the KGB, they lionized them because it was part of their defense mm. of capitalism and of the, the capitalist system in general. Definitely. And then went on because they had to make certain compromises with, say, South Africa Mm. or, you know, Chile or Mm. Argentina. They didn't, they had to make a differentiation between a, an authoritarian regime and a totalitarian and totalitarianism Mm. just became their whole thing. So if it's not 1984, Mm. they don't recognize it as oppression. Mm. And you can see it, it, you can see the slight turn in like John, John Rental going like, uh, what did he say? Like, when he was talking about austerity in oh, yeah, 1948, so, there was like... Because there was rationing in there the was, There was potatoes and bread rationed, and yeah. like in 2010, there was nothing like that. And yeah. it's like, it's a problem of <laughs> distinction. <laughs> they cannot properly distinguish between something that is completely intolerable to live under, and mm. that is just very, 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 very difficult and deadly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there doesn't... Maybe Bolsonaro won't have mass graves. He'll just have one grave at a time, like Duterte. Duarte, mm. you know, like. Although that being said, like it was within hours of him coming to power, it was the chant of um, 
feminists in prison, communists in the cemetery. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I think it's going to be pretty nasty. And it's like if you look at the the way the vote went as well. Yeah. In Brazil, it's like it was pretty much like ninety percent of like for black or better white Brazilians in the rich parts yeah, yeah. all voted for him, and then in the poor parts, ninety percent of the indigenous or black Brazilians did not. Well, I mean, you saw the day, the very day after there was um, an indigenous village burned. Yeah. Yeah. Because Brazil is a primary resource exporter mm-hmm. with uh, full of pretty rapacious capitalists who mm-hmm. would love to get their hands on the Amazon. Mm. And then on the thing And they will like, absolutely primitive uh like primitively accumulate yeah. all of the shit in that forest. And the, in the um, he's a he's got a Chicago school economist now as well, doesn't he? Um that he apparently doesn't know that much about the economy other than he likes private stuff yeah because I think he's pretty rich but yeah it's like it's kind of, kind of funny after like last week with our what is neoliberalism it's like well look there we go boom <laughs> it's the it's not a hand in glove anymore no it's oh it's so oh yeah and there was you know the budget happened but the budget really doesn't matter because even at the beginning of the budget this, this um was it <laughs> yesterday or the day before I can't mm. even remember anymore Time has no meaning. Um, you said, like, if there's any economic change next next spring, then it will be a different budget. And it's like, yeah, I can't see any reason why anything would change next spring. Definitely Six nothing. months' time, steady as she goes. Yep, that's just, you know, it's fine. It's all fine. It's fine. It's all good. There was, a, like, a really interesting thread that, like, uh, was brought to my attention by at Phil BC of the uh, A Very Public Sociologist blog. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written 2016 by Jasmine Mujanovic, uh, at Jasmine Muj on Twitter, argued that the person who's most influenced this reactionary wave, which, let's think, now, conti- now contains Erdogan in Turkey, mm-hmm. Modi in India, Trump, um, Bolsonaro, uh, Duarte in the Philippines. So... It's an, a not inconsiderable axis, especially mm. in North and South America. It covers a lot of people and some of the largest democracies in the world. Mm. Um, but he argues that the person who kind of was presaged this reactionary wave and this type of politician was Slobodan Milosevic. Mm. It's really interesting. Um, it says uh, it was you know he was a nationalist, a faux populist. And he had plausible deniability for atrocities because he never endorsed mass killings or concentration camps. He just spoke of us and them, them being the spectral enemies that he never named. So if anything happened, he would just say, well, I didn't say kill all the Albanians, Hmm. you know? Um, There was one point... the Albanians. The Albanians. (laughs) Got it wrong again. (laughs) in 1992, when local Serb extremists orchestrated clashes with police in Kosovo, where they were a minority, um, falsely claiming they had been attacked by Albanian officers, the raw energy of their putsch presented Milosevic with an opportunity. As he walked among the seething crowds, fully aware the scenes were being broadcast on screens across Yugoslavia, he promised them, no one will ever beat you again. He never said, no one will ever beat you, the Serbs. He never suggested he was going to liquidate the Albanians or turn the province into a police state or lead the whole of Yugoslavia into the maelstrom of war. He needed only to wink at the extremists and they lined up behind him. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, that posturing kind of... He's like it's there's a vulgarity to it as well that mm. positions him kind of as an outsider despite the fact that he 100% is not. Yeah. Um, and like pundits seem to have this blindness to it when it's 
when it's dressed up in a business suit, you know. It's amazing, actually. Like pundits really don't understand that someone. Well, a lot of people just sort of miss the bit where it's like, no, no, they are very much that part of that establishment yeah. thing. Just because he doesn't know to pass the port on the left or the right, yeah, and doesn't know, you know, you dig a grave from the left <laughs> rather than from the right. You don't, like they are still part of that whole system, and it's part of the whole push. They seem to be. What what really bugs me is like uh, kind of. Historic from a historical like mm. historian point of view, is the way that they have seem to be the thing that pundits are worst at. The mm. thing that political commentators and politicos of all stripes are worst at is examining change over time. Mm. You know, like the it frog doesn't. In the water thing. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a wrenching change to mm. be to be terrible and to be important enough to be opposed. They seem to mm. be really keen on ranking stuff that. This is important. It needs to be stopped. Oh, yeah, they love putting. Like, this is kind of important, but it's not as important as this. They like you know? the ranking thing because then they can say, like, especially like at the moment here with Brexit, yeah. so they can say that you're doing it wrong because you should do our one first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, how many people declared the end of liberal democracy when Rotterdam police said they would like confiscate clothing and jewelry from young men who they think can't afford them? <laughs> you know, Denmark passed laws um, last year that. Uh, it doubled the punishment for crimes if they were committed in one of 25 so-called uh, ghettos. <laughs> and that ghetto children in mm-hmm. these areas must be separated from their families for at least 25 hours a week for mandatory instruction in Danish values, such as Christmas or Easter. Who could they possibly be targeting? It's impossible to tell. But, like, yeah, they... How have you not seen how far it's declined yeah. even in the last, let's say, two years? Mm. What Trump's been in office for two years. Yeah. How have you not seen how far it's declined in the last 10 since mm. the, the financial crisis? Yeah. It's like I saw a thing on Twitter today that was, it was like an advert for the American midterms, I think. Yeah. Like for the Democrats. Yeah. And it was like um, this old man said, like, you know, I've never, I never, I've seen all kinds of horrible things in my lifetime, but never have I seen the American people lie to every day. And it's like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? It's like, yes, you have. Yes, you have seen that. You just didn't want to see it because it was working well. Bolsonaro you. is in power now because of Obama. Yes. It's like... Obama hand-waved the uh, Tamer... Michael Tamer was his name. Yeah. The takeover and the imprisonment of Dilma yeah. Rousseff. He also hand-waved the imprisonment of Lula, hmm. the Workers' Party representative who was an actual socialist as opposed to her dad, hmm. who I understand is a much softer oh, yeah. um, much so. social democrat. Hmm. And by all accounts, I am not of, like that up on Brazilian politics, but by all trusted accounts, Lula would have beaten him. Yeah, probably. And um, even though Lula's like got reputation of being pretty corrupt, he's still pretty liked. I mean, well, that's the thing as well. That the, all that Workers' Party stuff, none mm. of that, uh, Dilma Rousseff in particular, mm. none of that was over enriching herself. Mm. When they talked about corruption, they talked about the fact, unproven in mm. any court, that's the thing, isn't it? that she manipulated uh, state budgets in order to hide something that someone else had done. Mm. Again, none of this was proven. She was ousted in a judicial coup and mm. someone else was put there. Yeah. A right-wing coup happened. Just because it didn't involve storming a palace, just because it didn't involve execution immediately of political prisoners, mm. didn't mean it wasn't a coup. Open your fucking eyes. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you have people like Oz Katterji, fiend oh. of the show, Oz Katterji, saying, this is, this is a good one. I don't know yeah, if you read um, this. You may probably did. Oz Katterji said, Macron, 
a socialist, B. Le Pen. Did he say Macron's a socialist? He did. Uh, <laughs> Haddad, a socialist, lost to Bolsonaro. The choice isn't between socialism and barbarism, no matter how much desperate socialists who can't bowl above, poll above 40%, Mark, tell you. Like Opposing fascism is a liberal tradition. It was liberals who allowed this to happen. Also, oh, sorry, it's that thing that really pisses me off as well. Since when has it been, you got to prove that you're like um, a politician that's even slightly liked, you've got a poll above 40 fucking percent. Yeah. The only reason it's gotten to that point now in this country, that's very rare for again, in this country for anyone to be around <clears throat> that level. Again, change, change, not yeah. examining change over time. Yeah, How, yeah. like, between Attlee and Thatcher, mm. like, it was very, very rare for there not to be split, like, mm-hmm. like, uh, what's it called? Split parliaments. Yeah, yeah that kind of thing. Parliament. And that it was a much more even playing field, and maybe we're returning to that for all sorts of reasons. Mm. But it's the assertion, it's the it's the blocking. When they finally do decide to do something, it's get behind me. Mm. I am the leader now. Yeah, you know, it's always the, yeah. They're always very convinced that they know the way, the and, way to win. win and think. like, mm. and not to put too fine a point on it, but fascism doesn't stem from socialist governments. Mm-hmm. Fascism seeks to overthrow socialist governments mm-hmm. and banish them and execute them. And it seeks to subvert liberal governments. Fascism needs liberalism, right? Mm. It it yeah. needs it as a counterpoint. Like a political tradition it can it can call weak, ineffectual and like decadent and immoral, mm. you know? It needs the institutions of those liberal states, the ones that they've built up because they're so scared of being called weak on immigration mm. and crime. It needs those institutions to enact its will. It needs a class structure ridden with uh, status anxiety mm-hmm. where um, it can unleash its worst dreams, its worst terrors. Mm. That's where like the terror of fascism comes from. It like Terrible situations can arise from bad socialism, from socialism yeah. that is that has gone, I wouldn't say wrong, but it, it is, you know, whatever, is, is bad. Fascism specifically can only arise from liberalism liberalism and it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad yeah well the thing is oh, it's the, one of the things that really is frustrating is is that we like we don't want to say like fucking told you so mm. but this isn't even like the 20th time around the fucking merry-go-round no, with this one no um and like Ozkaji I think people were posting at Ozkaji and other people like him the the first about the first time Mussolini got into power yeah he was in an alliance with the liberals yeah because of course he was because you just need to look at what Luke Akers was saying to see what they'll do. Yeah. Luke Akers will send Tommy Robinson round here to break my legs. To defend this good state, this good liberal... Because I'm not wearing a poppy! This good, liberal, hostile environment, yeah. you know, privacy, uh, like, uh, surveillance state. Mm. To defend all this good stuff, they will unleash the worst people that humanity's ever produced. Mm. And won't bat an eyelid. The German party that invited Hitler into coalition was literally called Zentrum. Center. <laughs> How are you not... History is... God, it, the universe <laughs> is trying to tell you something. Um, so our main topic this week, we're talking about cops. Mm-hmm. I know this is a thing close to your heart. And, you know, I'm, I'm well aware that... Uh, the British police have not exactly been... And British intelligence in general... 
there's always these new revelations about them coming out and spying on like environmentalist groups and left-wing groups, even ones that don't seem to, to pose a threat. Um, and I'd just like to say, if any of the Special Demonstration Squad are listening, um, I'm being forced to do this. Uh, <laughs> I am forcing you. Um, our trusted, my trusted uh, reputation in the podcast community mean that I can be useful in rounding up others. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking, uh, MI5, just joking. I'm not a grieving black family. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's... um. I've been getting angry. I was like, I still haven't calmed down from the, <laughs> from the Labour Party saying, like, you know, oh, I'm, it was the I'm last like, gasp of the Labour conference. It was just yeah. after we'd recorded our conference episode in which angry. we were all upbeat. Yeah, and you were still really, really mad. Yeah, yeah, because there's like it's still there's a couple of things. Um, John McDonald still hasn't said anything about you know dealing. Well, uh, the only thing he said is, is you know having the legitimate concerns of a bunch of fucking bigots. Oh, on yeah, the Women's there. Place UK. Thing. Yeah, you know yeah. he still hasn't mentioned anything about that, which mm. leads me it is, is if he's not a transphobic twat. Um, it doesn't matter if he is or isn't because he's giving too much energy and amplification to them um, because he hasn't said that they're twats. He hasn't said that, Mm. you know, I listened... He could have said, because he can guarantee that the reason he talked to them is because he's got some old friends who are probably turfs. Yeah, it's incredibly so, worrying when I hear stories from from, from you and, and others about kind of the old way that mm-hmm. the left operated and some of the other people who've been kind of ushered back into the sunlight mm-hmm. with Corbyn's election. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, you can guarantee... I can, that, I'm sure that that's... Like, if I'm going to be really nice about it, he was doing a favour for some old friends. And he could have said... I listened to them thinking they had legitimate concerns and they're all horrible. <laughs> we didn't even have to be that strict about it. Like, say, no, but they're, they're, their fears are groundless. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, there's that. And then there was the, you know, we love cops and borders. Yeah, Diane Abbott talking about recruiting. And then in the, uh, and then in the question in the, the budget today, Jer- Jeremy Corbyn's like, well, we, you know, where was the money for more local policemen? It's like It has been uh, a constant refrain since that speech of... The Tories are neglecting law and order hmm. and by not hiring ten thousand policemen. Yeah, yeah, and it it's upsetting. And the thing is, the right position because I see like there's mis there's misrepresentations of what it is to be anti-cop yeah. on the left. It's a, it's like, a very you common... see, like there was a couple of Navarro people hmm. talking about how you know oh we're going to need coppers. In, even after the revolution it's like well you will because your robot factories <laughs> there's going to be riots about your robot factories Bastani and you're going to need coppers to put down those riots coming November 2019 <laughs> is, it, is, is I it, think he's, like, it's been put back to like his his fully automated luxury communism book has been put back presumably to revise how much AI we're going to allow the robots so they don't rebel <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it is a common um, it's, a, it's a major anarchist uh, socialist split mm. Anarchists, obviously, very, very anti-cop. Mm-hmm. Um, because they move so- you on when you're just drinking cider with your dog. Socialists tending to think towards the revolution, think we'll need those cops, mm-hmm. which is a questionable assumption. To be fair, as is the anarchist question that we'll just police ourselves, mm-hmm. it needs more development in any case. But it's a, it's one of those things that you think of, like, you see the slogan, abolish the police. Mm-hmm. And, like... The kind of Gramscian common sense in your brain says, "How? What? How is that going to happen?" Mm-hmm. Well, the problem, the thing is, it's 
even defining police. Yeah. Because you've got to define what police are. And police, as they exist, they're like, there's essentially like two kinds of coffer. Hmm. There's the ones that you see yeah. all the time. And then there's the ones that do any kind of investigation into things like murder and rape. And that's I'm not going to say burglaries, because if you look at the statistics, they don't do anything about burglaries, robberies, assault. They barely touch that. And if you look at the stuff they do with, like, rape and violent assault, they kind of sort of uncrime a lot of it. Like, I think of like one of the statistics, I was like, there's a solid, like, roughly 20% of stuff that you report to the police. They'll just sort of fudge the numbers a bit until it just sort of disappears. <laughs> and most of their investigations into the vast majority of crime just ends in... Just a dead end, because they don't really do it. Because they're, you know, that that's the investigative side, which even that that's the only bit that I'd say that in a perfect world you're probably still going to need someone to look into stuff mm. if something happens. Like I think in the Roman Empire there was legates, there was something, there was a position in mm. like society who like looked into someone stolen all the bread. Yeah, it was that kind of thing. Um, but there are ways around it. But then there's the ones that you see all the time. And there's the ones that you see when you go out to protest. Mm. Or if you're a striker. <laughs> yeah. If you're striking and, you know, they're the ones that come at you on the horses and batter your skulls in. And they are unjustifiable. <laughs> well, I can't, I, there, there's no reason for them. Because well, I think there is a specific reason for. Oh them yeah, that yeah. But as a leftist, formed. there's no reason to protect yeah, them. Yeah. And there's no reason, and there's you definitely shouldn't be encouraged encouraging more of them. Yeah. Because like, and that's the thing. Like, I don't. I'm. I'm still not sure where I am with the police thing. Like, whether you should have any of them at all. <laughs> um. But I'm. Pr- the thing is, I don't have to have a decision, like formed in my head completely, because I'm not in the government. What I can do is agitate for less. Yeah. And that is only a good thing. Mm. But yeah, um. Because the thing is, police, the modern police state, hmm. well, not the modern police state, the modern form of the police of people in uniform who, you know, stop, protect property and all that kind of stuff. I think, That's very young. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, only, an it was only like what the idea. Met was for, formed in like 1827. Yeah. And yeah. it was in response to things like... Um, strikes. Strikes and specifically Peterloo, mm-hmm. which was, you had um, like the kind of Chartist uprisings and the Luddite uprising, uh, uprisings. I think there was like a statistic that um, there were more uh, soldiers in Britain putting down the Luddites' yeah. smashing of machines than there were fighting Napoleon yeah. in Europe at the same time. Yep. Which is insane. It is. But like... Well, it shows, us, it shows like this beautiful bit thing about like the English aristocratic mindset. Yeah. What's worse is it... These illiterate workers smashing up their machines that's costing us money, or that short Frenchman. That short Frenchman, he'll deal with him in an afternoon. But these things, this is important. But also, look at him. He put on an ermine robe. <laughs> I'm just saying, let's hear about. <laughs> <laughs> he crowned himself, you know. He's a real go getter. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful move away from political correctness. <laughs> he's, a refreshing, he's a refreshing change of pace. For post-revolution France. He's a rough-talking, refreshing <laughs> young political figure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is most of the English aristocracy probably actually would have made it work. Um, so, but, like, yeah, they were using... So, yeah. after Peterloo, um, um, Peterloo, I think, like, 11 people were killed. But there were other riots, like the Gordon riots, mm. um, earlier on. Like, 400 people killed mm. by... Local landowners and local authorities deploying the army. 
Yeah. So, like, the police gets formed because it's a way of deploying non-lethal violence and dispersive violence. It was mm. always, like, a more negotiated process rather than sending in yahoos on horses. Mm. You send in someone with a club that it doesn't form martyrs. It just kind of forms resentment. Yeah. Which is good. It forms kind of a repression and a resentment rather yeah. than an outright kind of anger. Yeah. You know? Well, it's... Um... There's a thing that was sort of reading into it, and um, for like the longest time, the for, like pretty much the only form of dealing with theft that mm. we had in like most of the, in like a lot of the world was um, I think it's called hue and cry. Yeah. Um, is that what's it called? It's when it's like you shout "stop thief," ah, and right, then you okay. chase after them, and other people shout it like like um, monkeys. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, like any any animal. Um, but that was like that was it. You have like for a long forming time. posse's to find a fugitive, yeah. and the local sheriff hmm. like organizes people to go and do that directly. The well, authority yeah, comes from him, yeah. but he kind of well, invests for the longest period of time. You temporarily, have, like, people with you it, have like you know? landowners, and they can just press gang the, well, the people who live on the land. Pri- they can buy private armies. Yeah, that's increasingly what happened because this is a this is a phenomenon of capitalist formation. Hmm. It's landowners wanting to protect property well this and so they form their own private armies but those private armies end up creating more resentment which central government cannot abide because mm. it's looking at the big picture it's looking yeah. at total social organization so what it does is it oppo- imposes its own um measure on top of that that it can get the local landowners and the, the ownership class to go along with yeah well it's um what are the things sort of like you start to get this thing because, like, the, you need you start needing to really have cops, yeah, and stuff when you've got people, not just people trading in towns, mm. not just like market traders, like like you know, I'm trying to think of market town. The only one I can think of is off the top of my head, um, Nottingham, yeah, and, like that middle square. Yeah. Of, you know, people would come in from around. There's a lot, yeah. There's a lot of like old, yeah, older kind of towns. Thing. Yeah, that they have come that, in and they they trade, they square. you know, trade their stuff. But once you start to have capitalism. And you start to have instead of people like a farmer selling his stuff, you've got a guy who has invested in stuff to sell. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And have that, then you start to have direct competition and anger at other sellers, mm. and so you need the state to start looking after them. Yeah. Um, and you and the thing is, you see that now still, when you see when there's a protest in town, mm. where are the cops? What are they protecting? They're protecting mm. the shops. Yeah, they always do. Like you see it, you see like the way the media always falls into line. Like, oh my god, they smash up Starbucks. You've seen um, they with the like anti-fascist protests and and Britain First marches and things like that. The police dictate the routes, <laughs> sometimes specifically at the behest of certain shops who do not want that going past mm-hmm. because of the risk of, of property damage. Mm. Ultimately, yeah. So it has a it's a direct kind of imposition on the geography of protest. You see, you see like the kind of marches that get to go down past like the BBC and mm. down Oxford Street and stuff, it is like the Remainer March. Yeah. It is the ones that, well, of course they're not going to smash up. Um, I was trying to think what are the names of the shops, but there is that fucking Burberry. Tea. Yeah. Or there's that tea shop that is the, the coffee shop or tea oh, shop. Like, that's the East India. There's oh, one that's God. Called East yeah, India. The, the East India Tea Company. Because, you know, that's something. a good name for a tea company. <laughs> what do you mean? We're totally over our history. <laughs> Nothing, no... Filthy persona shadows coming back to haunt us. No, no Jungian shadows here. You say East India. No return anywhere, of anywhere no, in the world, and people smile. No return of the repressed here. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, see, you know that's hmm. 
that's the point of them. Is yeah. you know that they're, they're protecting property. Yeah. There's you look into um was, there was I think we talked about it an episode a while ago how likely a copper who is just walking around is to see a crime and stop it. Yeah, it was and it's like, like um, they could do it every day for like a hundred years and it wouldn't happen. It's like if if I think if they I can't remember what it was I think it was like it would they would come across a crime like in the flesh hmm. once every seven hundred years or forty seven yeah. years something ludicrous. Yeah. Well, because people aren't, cheap. and that's that was, I believe, that was the police, like the Met Police Commissioner at the time, <coughs> yeah. had done. Had they, his, the, the um, Association of Chief Police Officers had done research into that, mm. and yeah. it's like it's never going to happen. Well, yeah, because they they have to justify. They, well, they they have to justify what they're doing because they have to justify themselves like a business, yeah, which is kind of gross, but also you know, cops. I don't really care, but um, <laughs> but yeah, so they, it's true. Like they say, so they always find out the. It's usually like internal research from like the police that does turn up some really horrifying things like that. Yeah, it's never that they never really find out. You know, it's never their internal research. Like, oh yeah, we do really do pick on left wingers a lot. Don't there we? was one. There was one. I was when I was like looking up stuff for this episode. It was like um, there was a question as to because the big thing that people go on and on about is how they don't see Bobby's on the beat anymore. That seems to be the panacea that will like cure everything because yeah. they seem to remember a time when there was always a policeman within reach. Walking. It's not true. Spinning yeah. a truncheon. Spinning a truncheon, whistling a tune. Yeah. Like the Dixon of Doc Green thing. Yeah. Um, the veracity of that is, I don't know, unconfirmed. Mm-hmm. But um, they worked out that in order to have um, one for every extra policeman on the street, they would need seven other officers doing the stuff that that oh. police would normally do. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's clearly unworkable. That's You're clearly not going to swell... No. <laughs> well, maybe under Labour. You know, <laughs> swell the police to a quarter of the population. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's... But it's it's that kind of, like, street-based thing, because, like, what, what you were saying about um, uh, policing demonstrations, hmm. like, the whole idea of... Uh, police patrols comes from another kind of uh, threat to property, which was when all those vendors are in the street, um, you have like a lot of petty theft, Mm. a lot of kind of basically the wealth that has been accumulated in middle class houses leaching out onto the street Mm. and that demanded action. So then you have, that's where you get the two police walking around poor areas and policing those people, which has a political function because with industrialization, people don't have great houses. They're not spending a lot of time in their house. They don't have control of their workplaces, mm. which are indoors. So people go outdoors. People mm. spend their time in the street. Mm. And like that's a it. What do you um in? I was probably in America a lot more than here. But like when you want to describe a volatile like urban environment, you say that person like, like that person is from the streets, mm. suggesting that. All of that stuff happens in public spaces that aren't controlled. Yeah, and so that's why you send police in there. It's also a useful like training tactic because if you're willing to commit violence in the street in an interpersonal basis, mm-hmm. you know you can you, the the higher ups know that that police can be trusted to crack some skulls come riot season. Yeah, definitely. You know? With um, what are the things with the like? Oh, it's better with there's bobbies on the beat. Hmm. Like, I never like I remember. For like the police would not come onto my estate, yeah, unless there was a proper reason, unless like, they were actually called and they actually turned up, and they had to, like and they, they had really to. had yeah. to. 
Like, I don't think, like, when there was, like, a bunch of fires recently, the police didn't turn up for a couple of days. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I saw a police car, like, when I was at home or Mm. around my area. I don't think I saw a police car until I was about nine or ten. You know, when I went into other areas, you see police cars going past. Yeah. uh, But you never saw it, like, coming in. Like on residential estates. No, no. No, No, because, um, it just didn't happen. Mm. And I, I... it's interesting to see. I no, I don't think it ever did. No. There's no evidence that it really did. Like, I wonder how it would be possible. It's too much ground. It's just. Yeah. It's simply too much to cover for them to be in any way effective. They would mm. never come across anything, and then, if according to their priorities, they'd be out of place when they were needed when yeah. they were what's, called. What's that with you? Like, because of living in London, we do see more police probably yes. than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and even then, like when say, yeah. So last week I went to because um for Lily's birthday we took her to France. Yeah. And so I was hanging around big train stations, mm-hmm. which I don't normally do anymore. Yeah. Um, and saw loads of coppers mm. around um King's Cross. Yeah. And it is that thing that you see like when you see more than four coppers, mm. it's properly like ooh. What's happening? Yeah. What's going on? So the idea that there was ever a time when it wasn't kind of like, you know, when, you know, seeing a couple wasn't a shock. Yeah. Is I mean, I wonder what that me. is because, I mean, like the, the history of patrolling, like as well as determining who is willing to do violence mm. and who feels justified in using violence against like petty criminals or whatever, mm. it also winnows out the people who are better at like public relations and things mm. like that. And I think it kind of combines with the fact that it, like... That's where most public support comes from. Weirdly enough, people ask for more police because they've never seen them in yeah, the flesh. We've talked about it before. Like we've talked about it. The like, army are like a thing that you love until you see them. If you've been up close, like I go through Oxford Circus Station every day, and most of the time there's not coppers there, but occasionally there are armed police there. Hmm. And, you know, they are not the kind of blazer wearing, like suit wearing people with the epaulettes. Hmm. Um, and the funny hat anymore. Mm. They are gigantic armored monsters. Yeah. With thousands of pieces of equipment. They yeah. are. They look so much more paramilitary than they ever used to. It was, it was actually genuinely shocking because, like, okay, so there's so in Paris the the wor- the terror worries are like super high. Mm. Um, and they've always had armed police in France. Yeah. The difference. Is staggering though because they did not look like stormtroopers. Really, they look like quite relaxed. <laughs> what do you know what I mean? It's like obviously they probably are more relaxed about it because it's more. It's a more lounging back, eating a crepe. <sighs> yeah, they were safety <laughs> off. Say <laughs> safety on. <laughs> safety on, eating a crepe. It's called community policing. Why don't you try it someday? Eating a, eating a Leclerc off a garden. <laughs> um, but no, like um, it's probably because like here, if you want to be an armed police officer, you have to be like really into it. Yeah. Um, whereas in France, I think they just give you a gun. Yeah. Um, because by the the amount I saw, but what I mean is like without, they don't have all the the armor and the the all the jibber jabber. Yeah. And like the like things that look like stuff that Ghostbusters would have. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it's a frightening sight. Yeah, I think it's like frightening because like, you look at like. If you break down what a cop is, mm-hmm. it's, as we've mentioned, a person who is allowed to do things that if you were a normal citizen, you would not be allowed to do. Mm-hmm. It does this in the name of ostensibly the law. Mm-hmm. We 
uh, like anarchists and, and things have, have kind of made theories that it's social control and 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 you know the monopoly of violence by the state and that's true i think but like ostensibly they're they're, they're there to uphold the law yet in every situation, there are like thousands of laws. There are thousands yeah. of bylaws. You break one every day. Anybody who thinks that they're not like mm. breaking the law, you are. You don't mm. even know it. And probably there's very few people who actually do know you're breaking the law. Mm. But within that person, within that figure, once they, like, you get away from seeing them as a person, you see them as like a cop, they have all of that authority bundled up with them with a human brain that applies the law according to the way a human brain under pressure would. Mm-hmm. It's why, like, they're already, like, it's why it's natural that they do, it's not good, but it's natural and inherent that they do profiling. Mm-hmm. They're walking around, They do they know every law that's being broken? No. Oh. So what they do is they use a mixture of, like, common sense, um, experience of other officers, and, like, the priorities that have been drilled into them by the higher-ups mm-hmm. that tell them what a criminal is. The law doesn't tell them what a criminal is. No. So, of course, they think, as, like, whenever I've had conversations with coppers or I've overheard conversations with coppers, the number of them who have that old thing of, oh, well, of course, you know who the criminals are. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's shocking in our modern 2018 world mm-hmm. that you think that the police have been all, like, PR'd up and have been sensitivity trained up. Oh, yeah, that they absolutely have not. And it follows that, of course, they're oppressing POCs, poor people, targeted populations mm. like that. It, it's inherent. It's not just a... It is a choice, but it's it's inherent to the role that they occupy. Yeah, it's all always reinforced the world because it's like um, the way the law is done yeah. is like the police actively do the stuff that the majority of the society have decided that is okay for them to do and what they should control. But, I mean, all that the majority of the society have done is is set the limit. There's a, And apparently that limit is as far as shooting a Brazilian tourist in the back, hmm. up to and including and maybe further. Yeah. But everything else between that hmm. and a normal citizen, hmm. all the extra powers that they're allowed to use hmm. are only being applied by that person and there's no amount of training that can... That is, it can it seems to be able to overcome that. Well, there's, I don't, you know, because humans are inherent. It's that thing, like, like a lot of anarchists believe, like the you just there's you can't have that much authority in a person. Yeah, sure, it's, sure. They it's, believe that the practice of authority in and of itself well, it, is it, an evil. Yeah, it is, and like the, yeah. seeing any policeman proves that. Seeing mm-hmm. any policeman do anything proves that. Like, how quickly a policeman reaches for a baton. You look at it with, um, you see it with fucking door staff. Yeah. How quickly they reach for a torch. Yeah. Um, whereas if, you know, a normal person does that. Yeah. Well, that's assault with a deadly weapon. Mm. They've got such a monopoly on it. And they love, they, well, I would, they love I would it. argue that security staff have more restraint because they oh, have yeah, less because protection. Because exactly. the other thing is that this is all theoretical up to this point. This is like, you know, high-minded philosophizing and everything. <laughs> but in practice, you know... That there's an esprit de corps with the police. That they're. I was weirdly thinking about it in terms of like I think I mentioned this before, but like in terms of like yes minister, mm-hmm. you know yes minister is always based around like the civil service and government departments, functions of the government that have gone out of control. They've become entirely self-serving. They only exist to compete for their own funding. They're not there to make anything better, and 
the one kind of that's a very you know strong neoliberal tenant. Anthony Jay, one of the writers, was uh, very fond of of Thatcher and Thatcherism generally. Mm. But that's a tenet that doesn't seem to have ever applied to the police. Hmm. Now, in theory, that seems like an anomaly. But in reality, we know that Thatcher needed the police on side because they would be the ones cracking down on dissent of her New World Order. Yeah. But it seems when we get to this point, 2018, I know their budgets have been cut, but they do have any powers that they want. Yeah. Especially under anti-terrorism well, they, kind of things. They still do. And Within, still, like, there's only a few things that they don't get. They don't you know? have the. They think that they don't have the explicit support of the government as yeah. much as they used to, and yeah. right wingers and right wing people like there's plenty of old people that I know like oh yeah they're not supported and all that kind of crap yeah and you only have to look at oh yeah that would be why they're investigating Orgreaves then it's like mm, no because yeah. of course because because they're, they're always going to protect them mm. it's like because there's there's no comeuppance for the nastiest copper no or the or more importantly than the nastiest ones. Because there's a lot more of these ones, this sh- staggeringly incompetent and bigoted ones. Yeah. Um, because the whole reason, the reason Charles de Menezes got killed mm. was because of a mixture of incompetence and racism. Yeah. And the woman that was in charge of that is head of the Met now. Yeah. Cressida Dick. Yeah, you just fail up. Mm. You always fail up. That's perfect. That's a perfect example of the kind of bureaucracy that neoliberalism was supposedly banishing. Everything yeah. would be streamlined and super e- mm-hmm. efficient and things like that. But of course, it it didn't work out like that. And I don't. You can see the argument. You can see the the lines, but they seem imp- it seems impressively stupid to follow the line that the police are just like any other government service mm-hmm. that has been cut under austerity. Mm-hmm. You know they mm-hmm. are. They always they are a different thing, and they always have been. Hmm. And I don't really get why there's no nuance in that among some Labour circles. Not not you know not loads, but the thing is, it's that one of the things that does upset me with the Labour Party is hmm. the Labour Party have always had a, a like a really rancid authoritarian streak, yeah. like so bad. Some of them are just horrendous. Yeah. Um, but I did think that the ones closest to Corbyn weren't like that. Yeah. Um, I thought that Corbyn probably wasn't being an MP for Islington, that I was, I assumed, I've been around there a number of times, that you'd have a more realistic understanding of what the police do. I thought he definitely would. And I can it, understand not mentioning it for political reasons, but to outright try and out-Tory the Tories is a triangulation that in any other arena would be f- like, looked upon as business as usual. I didn't think those people... I didn't think it would be him and Diane Abbott that would be the ones that to triangulate to try and say, We're, we love coppers more than yeah. the Tories do. I mean, We'd give them shiny new batons. <laughs> it's that kind of shit, and it's, it, it's really galling. I suppose at least they haven't... They are one step away... Like Because the, it was interesting in the Diane Abbott speech that the things that she pointed out was... Um, uh, people trafficking, drug trafficking, and terrorism mm-hmm. as the reason to have a beefed up, beefed up enforcement system. Mm-hmm. The police, border guards, whatever. So that is a concession to not like naturalizing this category that has been around since kind of like probably the major era of the criminal. Because mm-hmm. that was a very common like thing. Like a lot of people, I was reading a few things about kind of 
criminal justice acts that were passed under recent governments. Thatcher, although she talked quite big about law and order, actually passed relatively few uh, criminal justice acts to um, increase police powers. Mm. She mostly had very like old-fashioned, to- like paternalist Tory, liberal Tory um, home secretaries. Yeah. It wasn't until you had Michael Howard mm. under Major come in, and then he's the one who kind of reduce like uh passes that criminal justice act that restricts like traveling and mm. uh bail time and um uh things like that and then tony blair comes in and that's when it really goes off the hook yeah i mean i don't know about previous i haven't looked into like previous labor governments but tony blair his expansion of police powers is is staggering yeah it's that's it's weird one that one well it's not weird because that's tony blair is tony blair yeah but um, it was because it was under it was under Thatcher, wasn't it? That the that the police signed away their their right to strike uh, for I think a, for did, a yeah, protection yeah. of their pensions. Yeah, and that's and Thatcher did protect mm. their money yeah. for a while. But it's like it seemed like giving them more powers. Maybe one of the things that Tony Blair was doing, like to make himself properly seem like a real hard man. And to win over like yeah. Mondeo Man and all that kind of shit. It became it became a self fulfilling prophecy because they had to. It was it was like saying being tough on immigration. The, yeah. the the reason borders and law and order are related is because mm. they come from the same part of their reptile brains. <laughs> they were the things that you could not seem to be weak on because it would it would just destroy you. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely non negotiable that you had to say tough things about crime mm-hmm. at the very least. Mm-hmm. What was interesting about like Blair's time is that they come in and they're kind of we're hard, but we're also smart. It's mm. an election strategy because of the different kind of liberal middle class that they yeah. were trying to kind of get on and conservative middle class they were trying to get on side. So not only do they give the police expanded powers and reorganize them, um, so that there's more bureaucratic cover. Mm-hmm. So there are things signed to say that you did nothing wrong. Police complain about bureaucracy all the time. Yeah. But they were very... All through the Thatcher and Major years, they were in favour of every expansion of bureaucracy. Like, there was one in particular, like... Um, in 1984, they passed an act that required you to... Um, have a separate custody officer to book in um, suspects... Yeah. That was uh, distinct from the the investigating officer. Now that covers you from people dying in their cells, mm-hmm. from compromising an investigation, all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And they were all in favour of it. They were in favour of every bit of paperwork because not only did it expand, need to expand their budgets because they had to hire more admin yeah. staff, it gave them more protection and that made them seem like a bigger deal. It gave them more protection yeah. from the kind of things, the kind of anti-police currents... Makes them more of an institution. ...that were happening, that anti-racist groups and things like that were pushing for. Mm-hmm. They were pushing for police accountability boards, like mm-hmm. in America, yeah. which the police go fucking insane about, mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. and is a basic level of transparency. Mm-hmm. I would, I would, it would be like, we talk about abolishing the police, but like a basic kind of transitional demand should be independent civilian staffed police accountability boards yeah well yeah because they wouldn't be able to get away with a whole bunch of the investigation of groups that they do if they yeah. had to justify it to people i mean the british state is secretive enough that i oh, imagine yeah. oh they'll work out a way of getting they will it. work out a way of doing it yeah but it wouldn't be so easy to portray themselves as policing by consent yeah as opposed to by force yeah which has always we've been never, there. It's something, we've never had police in consent. Oh yeah, no, they have. I I think it, there's a there's a line in um, 
uh, who is it? It's Gramsci, I think he hmm. is, when he's talking about um, uh, hegemony and generally how, how states get people on side. He said that the like the Western states, as opposed to the like Eastern states and the fascist states, were a lot smarter about using uh, police because they dressed them up in non-military uniforms. Mm-hmm. They didn't arm them. All of these things are things to gather consent, mm-hmm. even if it is a like oppressive consent, even if it is you get bashed but, and you stay quiet. Yeah, but even then, the, the whole point is the thing that they do is it's always they it's the worst bullies. It's they. It's always targeted at one a small group at a time. It's like yes. It's yeah. well, yeah. You t- you talk to anyone in this country about their opinion on travellers. You talk to and you will find like you talk to a group of ten people and they ask their opinion on travellers, yeah. and most of them will be like, well, actually, they're all thieves. Yeah. And it's that kind of, and then you know they're allowed. The police are pretty much allowed to do whatever they want with them. Yeah. And that's the kind of justification that that system is used for all kinds of groups. Yeah. And that's the. Ugh. Ah, and the idea of voting for a government that's going to make more of them. And then especially with Bolsonaro. Yeah, that was always... We were talking about this earlier. It was always the thing that worried me about when New Labour were in power and whenever they suggested expanding surveillance laws or um, uh, the arrest... Uh, the detentions. De- uh, yeah, uh, expanding detention uh, of suspects was the first thing I was thinking was if the BMP get into power, mm-hmm. this will be the thing that they use, <laughs> and it's what we were talking about earlier. They use these. It, they use these institutions if they are not properly reformed, and it takes time. Mm. If we were to drastically scale back the role of the police, mm-hmm. um, it would take time to stick. But it would stick, mm. and it would be less dangerous when it came to it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be less dangerous for the when. So, like the way it is now. If Luke Akers got into power, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. It's him who was always such. A... But what? But sorry, I, I, I did. I've just realised I didn't yeah. my point about, <laughs> about New Labour. Right. Um, under New Labour, it wasn't just an expansion of police powers; it was a change in the way they did it. So asbos. So you have an extension of like the ultimate sanction in society, which mm. is a st- restriction of movement mm. and a restriction of freedom. You had that that wasn't kind of um, just police directed. Police didn't have to be there. You mm. had an instrument put on you mm-hmm. to, in order to push you back into your house. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very, it's much more intrusive and much more like sneaky. Yeah. The, the I suppose like, it's like probably bringing it into like, they could say we'd always move people on. Yeah. And they always did. But it's like it nicely, more paperwork to prove that you know. Oh, it was Michael. To... It was Michael Howard who um, brought in the charge of loitering with intent. Mm. Yeah, it was um, Marxist historian. Yeah, Marxist historian E. P. Thompson. Oh, um, writing about the nineteenth-century English police, impartial, attempting to sweep off the streets of an equable hand: street traders, beggars, prostitutes, street entertainers, pickets, children playing football, and free-thinking and socialist speakers alike. The pretext very often was that a complaint of interruption of trade had been received from a shopkeeper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Boom. Which is, yes. Yeah. And that's still the point of them. (laughs) Still is now. Yeah. So the obvious question with kind of everything we're talking about with police is, Mm. if we abolish police, what replaces it? Mm. What do we do? Um, And I think you have to think about everything we've been saying about the conception of the police and, like, who they are and their thing. Because you say, you think... the. 
the most common sense like answer to that is you'll just have chaos. Mm-hmm. And I think a really important thing if you're pushing for police abolition is to highlight the amount, which is why we've been talking about it, the amount that they're not there. Yeah. The amount that they don't actually have much influence. Where they do, they have overwhelming power. Mm. But they're not. They're not there. They're not there when you call. I, um, I've only had the, I've only had a reason to call the police twice mm. in my life. And one was when I was working in a hotel. Um, and it was like one o'clock in the morning. I was, I worked the night shift from like 10 till eight in the morning. And a guy came in and started like smashing stuff up. He was pissed or high or whatever. And called the police and they said, um, it's a Saturday night in Birmingham, we're not going to come. Yeah, we've got too much other stuff to do. And at that point, it does disabuse you of the notion that they are there to protect you, so because they're, like, they're just not. They're, they're not like Judge Dredd. Yeah. Stopping the chaos. Actually, no, they kind of are, because judge, the judges barely do anything. Because <laughs> there's so much stuff going on. Yeah. Um, but I think that's an important thing to think. So, like, And in places where they do impact your life Mm. you're either calling them on someone else Mm -hmm. or you're which is like the whole remit of their powers like i think in medway most of their calls are for like domestic disturbances like domestic abuse things in which case the presence of police is an immediate short sharp violent Mm. end to that thing but doesn't actually help to to solve it really no no it doesn't solve the um it doesn't solve the situation of an abusive relationship. Mm. And it, aside from anything, they're being asked increasingly to do like the job of mental health nurse, mm-hmm. social worker, um, ambulance, like injury injury recovery, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, as well as the application of, of violence. Mm. I'm not, not going to go off and say, it's not fair on those overworked police. Mm. But at the same time, it seems mad to expect police to do all that well the thing and is i don't, think, I don't feel bad for, the, for overworked police what i feel bad for is um the mentally ill young man who's shouting and raving in the middle of a like the middle of a town like a small town yeah. on a saturday night mm. and the reaction of the police to that because yeah. they're over, they're going to be stressed and overworked and aggressive or i mean even an even an even like lower level kind of um concern which i haven't lived in suburban areas for so long that i'm not sure if this is a thing but arguments petty arguments hmm. parking bushes you know the ukip vote parking hedges going too far and yeah. erupting into violence like yeah. what does the police service serve there it serves for a lack of kind of community planning hmm. And ultimately, a kind of a lack of democracy. People are so keen to have the police as like the last bastion of, like they're the one, the, the they're the fixers. Mm. If you call them, it fixes all of your problems. Which is why you get, you know, all those urban urban myths and all those tall tales about like people calling the police because KFC have run out of chicken or anything yeah. like that. It, it, I don't know how true those stories are, but they do demonstrate the idea that people see the police as like a way, like I say, an ultimate solution to any particular problem that could be much better solved by 
increasing the feeling of power that they actually have mm. over the smaller things in their lives. That would involve better community resourcing. So, like, separate off their role into, um, like... Like there's a there's an article by like Tim Hope, who's a criminology professor at Salford, who suggested that rather than having the police, you have a kind of much more expanded but also unitary kind of harm reduction service mm. that takes in social work. It takes in um, like victim protection and things mm. like that, and 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 mental health and well, there's all that kind of they shouldn't be anywhere near. Like there's a there's, there was when I first moved to Walthamstow, this bit that I live in was way was way more dodgy. Yeah. And there was a lot of really there was there was a couple of sexual there was a spike in like a load of sexual assaults. Yeah. And there was some really like just horrible, horrible men that I'm not saying that they specifically did anything. Yeah. But you very much got the impression that that they they were on the path to doing stuff. Yeah, would you know? Like, the, oh, maybe you make a good cop. <laughs> you, know the kind, you know the kind of guy who slows down in his car to start hassling every woman. Oh yeah, 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 sure, sure. And um, Street the things that happened, yeah, the things that happened that massively reduced it hmm. was not really to do with the police. Yeah. Well, there was one thing which is they fixed the lights. Yeah. On the alleyways. Yeah. Which reduced it massively. I've noticed the lights have gotten worse again. Yes. Um, yeah. But you know that was a thing that helped, and then the other thing that helped was actually the pedestrianising. Yeah. So cars can't drive around anymore. Yeah. So and that be, and that that was a massive reduction in bad things that were happening. And that had nothing to do with the police. Yeah. That's the way you can do it. Whereas like when um there's a thing that and this is the problem, like it's another problem with how police address things to sort of cover their own backs and justify themselves. Mm. Okay, so my mum used to work in addiction and specifically with um, with sex workers and then finally specialising in pregnant drug addicted sex workers Whoa. which there were a lot in Medway yeah a lot but yeah. um, one of the things when she was working with sex workers she set up this 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 thing that was um, it was like a place where where sex workers and drug addict sex workers could mm. go to be clean to yeah. like clean and like get new needles and see a nurse who would try and get them to you know, give up heroin. Yeah. Um, but to justify the money, they sent the police with my mum to look around to see how many prostitutes there were. Yes. And I've told you this yeah. before. And in uniform, walking around, <laughs> asking any woman they saw who was obviously a streetwalker if they were a sex worker, and, well, if they even saw them because they just walked the other way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that they do. They don't help anything. They, yeah. if anything, they push things further underground like that. Whereas if it had just been my mum and social workers, there there are some who still walk away. But they, when she was, they were doing loads of quite good work. With mm. loads of people were coming in, um, and you should do. It should be more focused in that direction. That kind yeah. of street level policing. It can most the vast majority of it can be replaced with, yeah, like. A more like to dealing with things like arguments over bins and hedges. Yeah. A more communal feeling with regards to like your council wards. Yeah. For dealing a more cohesive dispute resolution mm. kind of thing for 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 that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like the police have kind What's of. What's the point of a councillor, like a local councillor for a local ward? Is it to do something with regards to that local area, or is it to do long threads saying that neoliberalism doesn't exist and are not to turn up? Like, yeah. Um, like the wheat person. Well, I mean, there was they have their own 
aside from anything in the real world, they have their own institutional inertia. Hmm. I would like to see the police reformed, but you can already see the kind of um, opposition you would get, as you've seen in America, when communities have tried to challenge the police on their particular <laughs> rights, where the police have never had any interest in particular like black areas of town. <laughs> they don't turn up when they're called. They only go around there to hassle people. <laughs> and when those communities have gotten together and tried to win concessions and win ref police reform, they have opposed it completely. Mm. and when the way you were talking about with the the only way you could get funding is go around with police and and like try to uh, try to work out a solution to ameliorate that i can't see that there's a solution with the police in the way that it's set up now as its own independent thing as it's so so dependent on continuing to secure funding and prove itself relevant they've bought into their own kind of hype mm. they do believe that they should be social workers and mental health nurses mm. and you know addiction specialists and counselors and all that kind of thing it's an impossible thing to do as with the idea that they will know every bit of the law and be able to apply that equally in every situation that mm. they're in they don't it breeds in this institutional thing you have to break the institution that's why it's so important for it's, abolition rather yeah. than just reform yes yeah, one of the things like the only way I could think that you could probably, because we haven't even gotten into just how many, how how likely you are to die if you come into contact with yeah, the police. Yeah, this with is a black not. Person. We have not even touched on the actual the fact fundamental they, abuses. Yeah, the of fact that they are the police inherently racist. Yes, the whole institution is. Um, and like no, so as we say, they have they they have to as a function of the how they exist, they have to profile. That means mm. racially profiling and profiling yeah. by class. Yeah, it's like the only thing I can think like the if you were even going to keep the numbers as they are, like you know the, the idea of police walking the streets and stuff yeah. like that, is you can't be a policeman forever. Yeah, I don't. I I don't. There's no way. Like I'm never going to think that you can have that much power and that much free reign to be aggressive yeah. and it not seep into every facet of your being. Well, you see, that's why they keep them... That's why they keep it so separate. That's why mm. they have firearm squads and riot suppression squads and things like that. And then they have a PR division. Mm. Like, a, you can see it in the propaganda that the police have put out about themselves over the last, I would say, 10 to 20 years mm. of we have poli like young police with beards now. We have police with tattoos. Yeah. So it's national action. <laughs> right there. <laughs> I was about to say, they've always <laughs> yeah. had police with national action um, tattoos. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you know, oh, we can't, how could I, it's, it's the classic, like, Twitter, like, pundit uh, mm. defence. It's like, uh, how can I be targeting color, uh, communities of colour? I'm Pakistani or yeah. I'm Sikh. Yeah. They don't go into the uh, numbers of the fact that they've actually found it incredibly difficult to recruit from ethnic minorities because, yeah. you know, reasons. Yeah. Um, but that's the, the face that they've put out there. And partially it's an amelioration of their image. But I think you can tell by the way that people react to police and feel about police now is that that hasn't worked. I think there's even there's significantly more negative attitude towards the police than there is to like the army, like especially I don't yeah. know um, I don't know about ethnic minority communities. Um, I imagine among Asian communities they really hate the army. There's probably a lot that really do. I I, like, I, I, um, I don't know that we that you can like 
you definitely can't stereotype but, but, yeah. like the the attitude yeah. towards it. But um, I, I don't, I don't really, know, I don't really know it because I don't really know many. But um, I can say like from my, my dad's side of the family, hmm. um, well, my dad joined the army. He would never have even dreamed of being a policeman. Yeah, none of them would have. None of them would have. Hmm. Um, and I think that that says a lot. <laughs> about, I think it, like the kind of yeah. It says a lot about the social role of the police in that when you're talking about, like when you talk to kids mm. about what they want to grow up to be, they say a fireman mm. and sometimes they'll say a policeman, but they don't mean, they don't have any experience with the police. So what they mean is they want to be a big, strong man. Yeah. They don't say it because they will say, they might say they want to be a detective or something like that if they're interested in crime investigation. But when they see police, kids instinctively know it's um, large physical job mm. that everyone in the community looks up to by dint of their physical prowess mm. not or maybe moral authority mm. like not, that's i want to stand in line with my mates covering up our id numbers while we while we whack at women with batons to rile up the young men yeah it's not i want to go undercover with an environment with with a, an anti fox hunting group and sexually assault women <laughs> but yeah um so basically at the very least, hmm. we shouldn't be increasing the numbers of policemen. Like, I'd actually say at the very least, I want there to be oversight committees. I want there to be I want them to be regulated to within an inch of their lives so they can't have fun anymore. It has to be a properly thought out process. Obviously, aside from abolishing the army... It's probably one of the most the least popular things you can do. We mm-hmm. live in a bourgeois dominated state. Mm-hmm. Property relations are as they are. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly class stratified and the voices of people who have been oppressed by the police are nowhere near loud enough mm-hmm. and given the due that they should be. What I would want from them is actual radical thinking on it. Mm-hmm. You don't need to talk about numbers even. No. You don't need to. Talk, you need to talk about the role the police play, which is why you can. I think you get more success out of talking about the way that the police are conceptualized and the things that the police are asked to do, rather than just talking about numbers and pretending that that that's the most disappointing thing. Yeah, the idea that numbers are the thing that determines um, success. Yeah, it's not something I expect hmm. from a left wing party. No. And it's not something I. I would probably still vote for them. Push comes to shove, but I won't do it happily. And I, well, the cop, it's one of those things I would not do happily. I voted for Stella Creasy with. Well, it was I didn't want to. Yeah. But I did, and the thing is with the the state of the Labour Party now, the cop stuff, I would be really angry about voting for them. I could see to be fair a bunch of the other stuff to be fair I could see I I could see them dropping like mention of it Um, well I thought so too but they mentioned it today you know what I mean like if any in any manifesto situation it's not something I want to see them pursuing I think it's going to be mentioned in different areas yeah I'm sure I reckon it's not going to be mentioned in the leaflets that go around Islington I reckon it's going to be mentioned in the leaflets that go around um, Chatham yeah yeah but yeah yeah, it's kind of disappointing. So that's the uh, end of the episode. Uh, <laughs> you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamo and Hugh at Town of Smashing. And we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.